Hello and welcome to the CRE with Cobalt Banker Commercial Worldwide podcast. My name is Christina Ballas, the National Director of Strategic Implementation for CBC, and I'll be your host. With us today, we have two incredible guests from the Agility Group, a team devoted to tailoring programs to build high-performing teams and leaders centered on concepts from improvisation. William Hall is an actor, improviser, and trainer with 20 plus years of experience in developing and delivering communication training for management and C-suite members with experience teaching at Stanford University's Graduate School of Business. Richard Label is an actor, improviser, comedian, and trainer also with 20 years of experience in corporate and association events and is an alumnus of the Second City, including creative director for over 10 years. They presented a business session to our top two professionals and elite company owners at our recent awards trip to Monterey, California. And we are here today to talk about that experience and how thinking outside the box and pushing out of your comfort zones can benefit you in your business. Welcome, Richard and William. Thank you so much. If anybody on the call or listening to this podcast hears a little bit of my chuckles, it is because I am truly with two forces of comedy. And so this will be a very fun podcast episode, and I'm so thrilled to kick off. So welcome. So much pressure. Wow. <laughs> wow, that, that was a great introduction. Thank you for, for capturing it all. Yeah. Richard and I found each other because we really wanted to do something different. We wanted to bring these beautiful life-changing tools from improvisation into the business world. And we've been to so many conferences and I've, I've, I've been in so many trainings where there's just a sort of darkness in the room where everyone's feeling like, oh my gosh, we're studying this thing. And so much of it is sitting, what we call sit and get. You sit and you watch a PowerPoint presentation and somebody's narrating it and there might be a little bit of interaction. You, you leave those sessions and, and you say, what's for lunch? And we really, we just know from our experience how transformative the improvisational mindset is. And so that's why we we started developing the agility method and and created the, the agility group to promote that. Just to um, support that, I have hosted uh, hundreds and hundreds of meetings and, and conventions and associations and corporate. And I've seen so many motivational speakers that are motivational for the 50 minutes they're up there. And then people walk out of the room and go on with their lives. And we wanted to make a difference. We wanted to actually have people walk out of that room with some tools going forward that they could really take and change their, not just their business lives, but their personal lives. And it seems like William and I have both been improvising for the majority of our life. And we wanted to take that out there and, and share those. There's rules that make an improviser work that are also in business deep listening skills being present agreement empathy and to take those i i feel like it's what our life's work has been leading up to that's incredible i have to say that is what brought my organization to reaching out to you we're really lucky that we have incredible top producers in our company and annually the top of the top get invited to an awards trip and we wanted to have business content that was fun so that was like our number one goal is make it fun but also help our top producers find new ways to up their game and be even better than they were and continue this growth mindset. And so that really is what brought us to engaging with your organization and, and bringing you to our trip. One thing that I found so interesting is that 
in a group of people, including myself, that are so used to always putting ourselves out there and always talking to clients and engaging with people, there were moments of almost um, nerves doing improvisation. And I think if you could talk about a little bit of what is improvisation, because we do it all the time. And I think we get in our heads sometimes about it. So can you break that down for us a little? Yeah, thank, thanks. You know, it's so funny. We're improvising now. I mean, it's we. I mean, everyone improvises all the time. Yeah. And I, I often think that technology taught us how to improvise. You, you know, there's you have to find workarounds to get what you want. And so I think that captures a lot of it. it it's we know where we want to get, and sometimes the path we want to get there is not the one that we think is going to get us there, or something happens along the way, and so we have to make curves and turns, and so. This idea, as Richard said earlier, about being really present and seeing what's there. How many times have we been in conversations and he, we're aware that the other person is talking, but we're also aware we're in our head kind of going, now let's see, where in my sales cycle do I need to go next? They're saying this, maybe I should use this module that I've used before. And then suddenly they stop talking and we kind of wake up and go, what? what? <laughs> and regardless of what they said, we go back to what we're doing, to, to what was in our head, our plan in our head. But but this idea of really staying with the other person and, and really staying with them is one of the real core concepts of improvisation. And it's harder than it seems. Richard? Uh, and you can't sit into a, we can't walk in there with a PowerPoint presentation and talk about it. Yeah. You learn by experiencing it. So that's why every single time William and I go out to do a session whether it's an association or a corporation, the first words out of our mouths are everybody up on their feet. We don't introduce ourselves. We don't do anything. Everybody stand up and we get going right away. This is, again, not a sit and get. And so to experience it and to talk about it and to debrief it and to really take it in through action is how we feel people truly learn those tools moving forward. The safety thing you're talking about and that sense of nerves is actually one of the things we talk a lot about because it's our job to make it safe to step outside of that comfort zone with this eye to expanding the comfort zone. The comfort zone is elastic. There are moments when we feel fearless and there are moments when we feel less fearless. And that our job is how do we make it so that you can comfortably expand that zone and try new behaviors and try new things and uh, with the eye to add those behaviors add those ideas those mindsets and those skills to to your future behavior but yeah that it comes it particularly well in a case like that christina let's just be honest you get this is the top two right this is your elite there and and when you get on stage in that kind of improvised moment there's a bit of vulnerability and exposure so it feels natural that you're going to have that moment. You know, years ago when I auditioned for the Whose Line Is It Anyway TV show, I was with some really funny people. And I was suddenly, I mean, I've been doing it for a long time. And suddenly I was like very self-conscious and self-aware. It was, it was crazy. So the, the, the idea of playing with that comfort zone and how do you let go, one of the concepts I talk about, and this is, I, I don't know whether this is going to be of any interest, but you can't be any smarter than you are. You can't be more talented than you are. So you might as well just relax, just relax. And you're the most creative when you're relaxed. You're the smartest when you're relaxed and present. So 
the trick becomes how, how do we just stay present? How do we stay present, stay with the other person, look for ways to move forward together? And, and on that whole fear thing, I don't know, Christine, if you remember the uh, how we were enjoying failure at one point. That was um, one of my favorite moments. Yeah. William, t- tell them a little bit how, why you do that. It's, it's a, one of my favorite things you brought to the agility map. Yeah. Well, let's say that when you're driving a car or piloting a plane, making a mistake is, is not really forgivable. It, there are some serious consequences. You, you sure. make a wrong turn or decide to be on that phone too long. But in the world of improvisation, where we're just sort of playing with these ideas, so, so what if you make a mistake? But our brains are still sort of wired, and, and logically so, because our education system sets us up for this, so are, are wired to not make mistakes or be really leery of mistakes. So if, if we have that mentality, it sort of constricts us. What we want is to change our relationship to mistakes so the mistakes aren't a threat to us. Richard, it's so funny that yesterday on our LinkedIn, we posted this this uh, this saying that if you stumble, make it part of the dance. So yeah, so let's change the way we have mistakes. Let's celebrate mistakes. Mistakes are not uh, a contraction, uh, a darkness. If we can change the relationship to mistakes, at least even for just a couple of minutes, the freedom that we have, like kids that don't know any better, it's, it's sort of liberal, it's <laughs> liberating. And it was so there. fun. It became it became a runner at the uh, workshop where someone would make a mistake or whatever. They'd go, "I failed," and everybody would go, <laughs> "Failed," and it would it would take all the tension out of the room. And it was just such a safe place to yeah. play. It was really really enjoyable. Thanks. Yeah, would you, would, if you make that misstep and you and you put your hands up in the air and say out loud, "I failed," not, not "I'm a failure," but "I failed," and everyone else sort of turns and says, "Yay." puts their hands in the air there's a different thing that happens inside your body and inside your brain you're like going wow this what place what special place are we in and that special place is the world of improvisation or the agility method and that's that's what we're committed to bringing to the world more more of that kind of open engagement with less less fear more i do want to be clear about something though that we most people when they think about improvisation think about whose line is it anyway or the mm-hmm. second city or how Saturday Night Live got started. But yeah. our focus is not on humor. Definitely, we have a lot of fun at these workshops and there is laughter. But the basis of it is to use those tools in that jazz improvisation, theatrical improvisation, painters that improvise, all of those same rules that work with producing humor, as most people take it, can also work in your business and personal life, not to evoke humor or comedy or laughter, but to make those connections, to go where you might not think, to truly deeply be in the same place with someone and to be present with them. It's just expanded it beyond the humor base. And I just want to make sure our our listener, which I uh, I, I hate to put the word, uh, the letter S at the end. Hopefully we have a listener out there. (laughs) <laughs> of course, we have a great, great um, audience, actually, I'll tell you that. But uh, so I want to I want to hit on the presence part in a minute, but I really want to unpack this concept of comfort zones a little. So 
for me, you said so many words just now that are, it's hard for me not to note take and just be present and not write something down. That's something that is like not in my, in my comfort zone. But, you know, I, I wrote down the word safety. And I think besides feeling safe in a, in the room, you know, doing improv and feeling like, you know, we can, we can mess up a little or, you know, say I failed and everyone gets a chuckle. I think it translates really well into the business space. If you have a culture, a team, a group of people that you rely on, that you feel safe in to take calculated risks, that's where the secret sauce is because, you know, you can't get better results with doing the same thing every single time, right? You always have to try and find ways to pivot and to improvise on some of your strategies. Now, if that comfort zone is a lot of preparation or having your go-to person in the room with you, or, you know, even your room setup, whatever that comfort zone is. I think that's so important to be self-aware of what gives you comfort and safety so that you can push yourself to be a better version of a better communicator or a better, you know, deal maker. And I think there's something there that I, I really want our listeners to kind of sit with for a minute is, is making sure that you're culture of your space, whether it's just the deal or your office, feels like a safe place to take risks and obviously calculated risks, right? That's exactly right. The, the, we would do an activity like that, but it's, you know, how do we relate that activity to what everyone is doing? And so we might ask people to get into smaller groups and have a conversation about how does failure show up in your business and how, how might you use this experience and shift your relationship to failure? So it's, you know, as Richard said, it's not just about the exercise itself. There, there are these moments where we say, how does that apply? And how can you take that concept of failure? And Richard and I have had a lifetime of this. Uh, uh, of failure? Failed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, and we remind ourselves every time before we, you know, go into a session or, or, or go into association and say, let's, let's just have some fun here and let's, let's walk the walk. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to be as us in the room creating safety for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I think for some of our folks that might be a little bit more like linear in, in thought process, right? If if you, if I can translate it to almost like a, I don't know, like a spreadsheet or a formula, right? Like it's, it's a never ending if then statement, right? If this happens, then this, and if that happens, then this, and it's just ways to try and handle lots of different scenarios while being present and just handling it, you know, in your most authentic way. Yeah. And we're definitely not saying don't prepare. Yeah, Do you know for that? sure. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you have to have preparation, but yeah. you also have to be agile enough when mm -hmm. things change to not have to push them back into that path you are looking for, but to let them go where they do and, and to have the tools that are necessary for that, which is part of the preparation, but also part of giving it up to what's going to happen, I yeah, think. Yeah. You're meeting with a client, for example, and you just never know where they've been for the last 24 hours and what's going on in their life and who got what test results back or who just won the lottery or, or whatever else is going on in there. And so there's this, this concept of listening. It's not just about the words, but it's also listening to their body and listening to their tone and what, what is going, what is actually happening with them. You know, if, if the future of business is just decision trees and just complicated if-then statements, then artificial intelligence is going to have our jobs pretty soon. Sure. So, <laughs> so, but this quality of being human and being yes. with the other person is is a real differentiator and it's a real power for us. It it's harder to do, 
but it's the and but the rewards are 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 deep and long term, longer term. It's funny how it's actually changed the way I drive in Chicago. Really? People, how? Cut, people cut me off in traffic or they zoom by or they honk their horn. And I don't know what's going on in their life. Mm. Um, maybe maybe they are just idiots and, and not good people, but maybe they're rushing to a hospital that somebody got hurt or their kid called and they're locked out of their house. And I don't know what it is, but I don't try to race anybody down anymore or cut them off or beat my horn. I you know, good luck. I hope everything works out and you get to where you're going. So it's, uh, and it's given me a, a sense of calm over the last few years of just, oh, yeah, good luck. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. I, and now I want to hit that concept of being present because I think that that, you know, is kind of what you're saying is, well, being mindful of other people and what their, you know, reality is, but then also giving yourself this calm moment to then be present in what you're either presenting or listening or, you know, all of that. And and I think for me, besides the fun moments of the I failed and being, you know, in a safe place to take risks, for me, another really pivotal moment in our in our group was that one minute of silence and breathing. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because that was actually, I mean, as as small as that might sound, was super powerful. Yeah, it's one of our very uh, favorite exercises because it is something you can do every day or even a couple times a day just to bring yourself back into that moment. Oh, my gosh, I have this big presentation in five minutes. But to take that one minute to yourself and get centered and to just be it, as you noticed it, it, it uh, that breathing, breathing, it changes your physiology and taking that moment to be there. For the listener, here's what we did. We, we invited everyone to close their eyes and take one minute and just allow ourselves to arrive in the room. Just to take a minute, been busy, lots of stuff going on. Let's just take one minute and arrive here. And we asked people to simply think about their breathing. And if other ideas came into their head, that's fine. See if you could just gently turn your attention back to your breathing. And and afterwards, we, we asked people, what did they notice about that minute? The actors and athletes do this all the time. Before they perform, they we call it dropping in. They drop into them. You drop into who you are. It's like saying, here we go. And you know, tennis players bounce their tennis ball beforehand. It's not part of the job. The basketball player taking the free throw bounces that ball. It's not part of the rules. But it, it, it's that moment of like, here we go. It's that moment. And it's as you found out, Christina, it does, it, it's, it doesn't take that long. And it's, it's remarkably transformative about what happens. And I would challenge anyone listening to before they run from one call to another, one Zoom or one Teams call to another, set their little timer for, for 30 seconds and just sit there with your eyes closed and take some deep breaths and, and see not what Not right happens. now, not while we're talking. Okay. Just, Right, right when we get, we, that. Give that a shot right when we get done. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we need you yeah. to stay present with us right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will tell you, you know, one of the examples you gave and that really resonated with me is so a lot of times when we're there are top performers or producers, right, or people that are in a specific role. We're always rushing, right? We're 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 moving quickly because we have a lot to accomplish, right? I'm not I'm not knocking the rush and the hustle. However, oh, yeah. when you go from one thing rushing to the next and you go back to back to back to back, to not be 
present really creates this kind of chaos in a setup and it may not be putting your best self forward. So the concept of, you know, like instead of what I would think of visually as spilling into your next meeting, you know, to just be there in a in a bigger presence that's calm just sets the tone in such a way that's so powerful. And it changes the way people see you. Yes. How many times you've been in a meeting and somebody arrives a little late and they bring that drama into your meeting? And like, oh, guys, I'm sorry, I'm late. Like, you won't believe this. My kid is sick. And I, the, the door, the plumbing, and I just, I just, uh, okay. But I'm here now, and oh my god, what were we talking about? You know, <laughs> yeah. What a measured yeah. way to just, if you're a few minutes, like if you're later, if you're, you know, barely making it on time, you know, being late. No one likes to be late, right? But to instead of bringing that with you, take thirty seconds, thirty extra seconds. That's not going to make or break the whole meeting focus in and then you know if you, if you need to start off with a part in the tardiness and then just move into why you're there i mean it's so much more measured that was that was very powerful to me yeah what else was, did you like you know that for me you know from your we can talk all day but i, I, I yeah <laughs> i will say so there's like the part the part that we've been discussing that i thought was so beneficial for the people that attended right because that's the mindset i'm in if i if i was talking also though from I don't know what what my perspective is. I loved how we mixed and mingled and bonded with each other. So it was a great opportunity for for me to get to know our professionals and even my my coworkers that I work with every day in a way that we don't usually, you know, do that. And it was a way to just have deeper connections with people. And so um, besides the the benefits of bringing this into business, I felt like it was great interpersonal benefits. And that to me was really powerful. And that that interests me, you know, to just have deeper connections with people. And that was lovely. Right. And it's uh, a lot of people said, oh, it's team building. But we we reword that a little bit. We build teams. Yeah. So team building is let's go put together a sandcastle. Oh, that was fun. But to have these personal connections with people and to share that intimate space and time with someone really connected, well, that builds teams. Yeah, so absolutely. It's the same words. You switch them around. We feel it has a much deeper impact. Yeah. I will say the other part that I enjoyed, and this is just also, it tells you a little bit about me, is I, I nerded out on your backgrounds. So we didn't really talk about that too much, but you know, between William, you being a professor at Stanford graduate school, like, wow, that's super impressive. And that, that at least is impressive to me. So that was really interesting that you, you know, had your background and, and brought it into a really serious, you know, space for continued education. And Richard, I mean, second city, holy moly, the people that you worked with, I mean, for those of you that, that follow comedians, like the greats of the great, in my opinion, you got to work with, so that knowing your background before I went into the space also got me very excited. So I don't know if you want to, you know, just just boast a little bit about your backgrounds, but I think it's so interesting on how that brought you to where you are. Yeah, it, we we think it's a good combination, Richard and I. To, to be fair, I'm I'm not a professor at Stanford. I teach at Stanford and taught at Stanford in the Graduate School of Business. And uh, but you left out my World Economic Forum. Um, You're right. Here. I did. Tell us about that, please. Right. And on the other side of this, I, do you have I, another hour? Because we're going to go into this. All right. <laughs> Good. But I also worked at Disneyland and helped to train um, some of those performers and and performed at Disneyland. They had a, you know, Disneyland had a big problem when when they hired us. That Main Street was that part of Disneyland that people ran through to get to the good 
And they said, we need to create something in Main Street that will be attractive and hold people here as well. Uh, Disney if, is nothing if they're not uh, number focused and success focused. So they're, uh, the people per square yard is like, how, how do we increase the people, uh, density of people? And that was a really worthy challenge. That was a real good business challenge. And, and we created some characters that were specific there. And <laughs> one of the things we did at Disneyland was we stopped traffic in Main Street. You know, we created an entertainment circle, actually stopped the traffic. And that put people into the stores and slowed it down. And we would slow down the traffic and then release the traffic. And what we did is we created some entertainment. So something to watch and something fun. And we did improvisation in Disneyland. But these tools, and this is this is why I found my my way to Stanford and lectured at the University of Florida and the University of Texas and other universities around, is that these tools of being able to create stories and work together as a team without any plan, without any hierarchy, becomes really interesting out here to Silicon Valley, but to other teams that need to move quickly. How do we get my team up and moving fast? And how do we address these new things? And what is, what is it we can learn from improvisation that allows us, you know, improvisers walk onto a stage. You know, Richard and I walk onto a stage. There might be 200 people out there, maybe more, and we don't have anything planned. And we look around at the rest of the people we're working with, nobody has anything planned. And that's exactly the right thing. We just have this belief that we're going to create something and we have some principles, mindset, and some skills that make it happen. Richard, what do you want to talk about from your past, Mr. The Second City? Oh, do you get to do some drop? Oh, get ready. Some names might be dropping. Can I drop some names? Please. Please. I go way back. I, I sent away in third grade because I had moved to a new town for a magic kit on the back of a box of wheat checks. And it was 50 cents and two box tops. And it came to Master Richard Label. And I had no friends and I, I practiced these tricks. And for show and tell, I did my magic act and I had a whole new group of friends. How that, that helped me. Oh, so performing and being on stage is a good way to meet people and have friends. And it, that was in third grade. In sixth grade, a teacher started an improv company. And there was not improv back then, 150 years ago when I was in school. So I've been improvising since sixth grade and we had one in high school. I did it in college. I was doing magic and stand up the whole time. And Second City, I got an audition there and didn't realize a thousand people came to audition. And mm -hmm. it was a five day audition where you had 15 minutes with 20 people and then 15 wow. minutes with 20 people. So it was one time and a week later they called us back and there was 350. They pared that down and then brought us back and there was about 80 and then brought us back to 15. And wow. they hired two of us out of the thousand, myself and uh, Mia Vargalis, who's the girl, woman who wrote My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yeah. So we toured together and and uh, I got to work with uh, just incredible and meet incredible people. So like Myers, Tina Fey, Corel Colbert. But the people that came backstage were David Copperfield and just these Everybody, Milton Berle, these incredible people would come by and stop and play with us after the show was over. So uh, that cool. was fun. And I don't know, maybe 20 some years ago, I ran into William. We were actually working a trade show as presenters and stopped. And who is this guy? And he came off stage like, who are you? Why, why do you keep coming by and watching what I'm doing? And we, I don't know, every once in a while in life, you meet someone and they 
instantly become your friend. Yeah. There's people it takes a longer time, but that there was an immediate connection. And uh, we always enjoyed when we ran into each other. And I had a client call one day for some training and it was a big job. So I, I called William and said, hey, could you help me with this? And we had so much fun putting it together and collaborating and the process and the product. When it got done, we said, hey, let's keep doing this. And that uh, was the beginning of the agility group. So, yeah, yeah it's been a fun trip. If, if I wanted to, yeah, thanks, Richard. If I wanted to nerd out about improv, I'd say Richard and I represent, we're based in some of the core concepts of improvisation. When we take a look at improvisation in America, we take a look at, at, at three big influences. You take a look at Violas Boland, you take a look at Del Close, and you take a look at Keith Johnstone. And Richard come, has worked with Del Close. He and Del were, were pals and did a lot of work together. And I've worked extensively with Keith Johnstone. And so we're kind of a blend of these two improv styles. Gurus. Um, yeah. And we have a running joke about how long into our meeting will one of us quote one of those people. They've, you know, it's, people look at it and they, and they think improv, it's just, a, they're just going up and freewheeling, but it's not freewheeling. There are these, these principles about how do I listen to and, and listen with my body and emotion and what's going on with the other person and how do I say yes to whatever they have going. This is the core of improvisation is this concept of, of yes and like what is going on and how can I be a part of that with you and we build it collaboratively together. So I think it, we talk about building teams at the core of our work is how do you work together with other people? How do you, how do you connect and, and play together? The yes and is definitely something I want to dig into a bit. I think that is so powerful in, I mean, in interpersonal relationship building, but also in business. I mean, the concept of, of really being attuned to what your client's saying, trying to provide them with a solution to their problems or needs, but then to enhance it with your value add. Like that's the yes and like translated in business, right? You're like, I hear you. I want to help you with that. And this is why I'm the best person to do this is like to me, uh, and I don't know if I'm connecting the dots too literally, but that's just how I hear it when I hear yes and. But that sounds right to me. Sounds good to me. I think I'm going to write that. Hang on. Let me. <laughs> we're recording. Taking, taking notes on you right now. <laughs> it is. It's, it's not necessarily a, uh, saying yes to everything. Yeah. Not literally saying yes but it is agreeing that that person has validity and how can we add to that to build something together to go forward? Yeah, but I wanna buy this house, but it's fallen down. Well, yeah, I understand why you like this house or you like this piece of property or whatever it is, but I, I, I don't even, I'm trying to, I'm not in real estate, so I'm trying to make an analogy, <laughs> I can't. All right, I'll shut up for a second. William, help me. Well, the concept of yes and is really tough. You know, we have yeah. our plan. You and I are fond of quoting the Mike Tyson. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. So I think at the core of what we're saying is we have your backup plan <laughs> we, or we have we have an, an add-on that will help your plan. The yes and concept in improvisation. If Richard and I are doing an improv scene and it's a blank stage and he and I walk out and he says to me something like, so you're the real estate agent for this apartment building. Well, let's take a look. The worst thing I could say is, no, I don't know who you are. I'm not looking at a real, we're not at a, no, 
you know, mm. so do, I, I used to walk like, out into every scene and you knew who you are and where you are. And so let's say I'm a doctor and I'm walking into a hospital and William comes out and says to me, hand me that fishing line. This is a good spot. I'm no longer a doctor and this is no longer a hospital. All of my preconceived things went out the window. Now I'm his fishing buddy immediately. Yeah. So it's, I have to agree with the reality that he set up. Somebody says, hand me that phone. And if you say, no, that's not a phone, it's a squirrel. You, you have not built anything together. Hand me it's that phone. phone. Is it yeah. my mother again? You know? <laughs> and boom, you're off to the races. You've agreed on the reality of, of each other's reality. Yeah. It's and validated. I know sometimes, yeah, there's probably sometimes when you're, you're, your listeners are talking to somebody and, and they you can't find the rhythm. They can't even get you can't even get the rhythm of the conversation right. Mm. And the yes and keeps asking us, how do we find, how do we sort of really tune into the other person and work together to create something? Not not sort of like a like a tug of war, but more like a team building something together. Yeah, I love the concept of movement that that I feel like keeps weaving through this conversation. It's it's not maybe going on the path that you drew out for yourself before you started. It's taking a journey together, but keeping the forward movement instead of getting stuck, sidetracked, you know, pulled over, <laughs> whatever that might be. Yeah, And it's interesting that those are not all just little pieces that come in one at a time, but you have to be present and truly listening and agreement and have empathy and and to work on those skills and it trust it does not come immediately but through staying present with yourself picking up a little piece one at a time and building those building blocks of those rules and those uh suggestions really yes helps. in that moment of when richard walks on the stage and he has his character and everything about the doctor he feels secure but in that moment where he has to let go of that there's that feelings of insecurity which we face every day, the unknown, are really present. And even in this improvisational make-believe world, people people say no to things as if they're real or if they have stakes. The phrase that we like to capture this really well is the people who say yes are rewarded by the adventures that they have. Mm. And people who say no are rewarded by the safety that they attain. So there's there's a win both ways. But the question I think we ask is, can we notice when we say no, but there's the, the stakes are not that critical for us. But when when can we say yes to adventure? How do we say yes to adventure? I'm not saying, yeah, let's let's <laughs> let's get into that van over there with the guy with the candy. No, I'm saying let's <laughs> sorry. Well, I'm, I'm sure there's a different analogy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Let's jump off this cliff without a parachute. There we go. Oh, that's, that's a <laughs> Both equally as scary, maybe. <laughs> Both yeah, are equally as scary. That's right. Yeah. Let's not jump off. Yeah, let's not jump off this cliff without a parachute. I, I, I'm saying there, there are a lot of times in life when we trigger a kind of safety mechanism, and if we can add a little moment in there rather, and kind of say, "Is this really a dangerous? Can I? What's the adventure that that, that is here?" I love that. I love that. Something that I like to, to offer our listeners too is something actionable, right? So for me, uh, in, during this conversation, one of the things I would urge our listeners to, to take advantage of from this experience or from listening here is, is the 30 second or, you know, 60 second downtime, deep breath, 
set your phone alarm if you can't be trusted, you know, like, cause this really a minute feels like a very long time when you are being quiet with your own thoughts and trying not to go deep into thought and cross off your mental to-do list, you know? So I would say that is one thing I would love for people to try after listening to this. What is something else people can do after listening to this that can either maybe be more self-aware or, you know, I don't know, I don't want to be prescriptive, but what's something else we can have our listeners do? Well, well a, a tiny one, and I know William's got some other ideas, but but meditation really is something that takes that minute and expands it and lets you go into that deeper. And And William and I both do meditation, but once you do it, let's say for 15 minutes or 20 minutes or a half an hour or whatever time you have with someone who can train you with, with a teacher, with a, a, a guru, it makes those minutes much more powerful and, mm-hmm. and more focused. That's something I would suggest anybody. You can, there's online people that do it online. Uh, William and I take a class online once a week from this woman and a group of people. And it's just one of my favorite 40 minutes out of my week. I just uh, uh, grabbed onto it and, and it really enjoyed it. I poo-pooed it for a long time. Oh. I will tell you, comparing that to jumping out of an airplane without a parachute is very real to me. To to be silent for 40 minutes when try not to think of anything or just be present, it sounds impossible. I'm sure it's like a muscle that you just have to work up. But um, for anybody that's a beginner, I cannot meditate without a guide. Like I need guided meditation. I need someone to tell me where to drift off to. <laughs> And I need to yeah. imagine it to be alone and quiet and think of nothing is at this stage of my journey. Near that, impossible. That's just what our teacher does. We oh, do we do a few minutes in the beginning, talk a little bit, and then a much longer one. And then we go into rooms and, and talk about how we debrief it, just like we did at, at your meeting wow. as well. That's yeah. cool. Maybe we'll send you that link. You can join us. You should. And yeah. we'll try yeah. it. Yeah. I will. I've got a couple for you for your listeners yeah. to try. There's a um, I've got one that's really, they're both simple to understand, but one of the things that we talked about during our session with the top two w- was this, there's a difference between understanding something and actually doing it. We understand it can be tough. So when you're in a conversation, before you talk, repeat a little bit of what they've said. This is the yes and method. Like I'm really taking what you said and I'm going to add something to it. And you'd be surprised at how very, very difficult it is. Now, it, improvisation, we have a lot of sort of gamification of it. So here's a game that sometimes we use to promote deep listening. When you're listening to somebody else talk, when you speak, you have to start your sentence, what you say, your utterance, with your first word having the last letter of the last word they said. So I ended that phrase with said, S-A-I-D. So if you were to speak next, you would have to start your first word with the letter D. Like that's because that's what I said. Don't you think that that would be really hard to continue doing? Go, go, Richard. Go ahead. Don't you think is just such an odd term uh, to use sometimes. It's hard, right? It's hard. So, so then for us in a, in a workshop, we'd say, so what's coming up for you? What do you, what do you notice about that? And, and what we often get is it's, it's really hard to listen to the very end. And then people say, and there's a natural pause because you have to do this calculation. And that pause is a really interesting dynamic in conversations. We rarely 
have that little moment of breath in conversations. But when I'm in a meeting and I'm in danger of being bored, I start playing this game. I don't have to tell anybody else. I don't and I do, it, I do it at cocktail parties. When, you know, the, <laughs> that person you get stuck with, uh, to, make it, to, to make it a little more fun, maybe they're telling a, a less than exciting story about uh, their child in kindergarten, of which I have all college children who have been there. I like to play that game. And it I makes it that. Uh, that whole conversation much more fun for me. And I'm also more engaged with them now. Now I really am listening to what they said because I have to be aware of what that last letter is. So it does make that connection. Try it. Try it, listeners. Try it. Try, try it. it. Try it. I was, try it. I was going to bounce off that and say you should try it. Find somebody. I would. I would urge you to find somebody in your office or even a friend, but in your office might be more powerful in a in a while trying to flex these muscles in terms of business and try a couple of, you know, try, try doing this for a couple of minutes. And, you know, even if it's over lunch or over coffee, I think it's, it's fun. It's kind of carefree. Not don't tell the other person. Don't tell them. All right. Don't, <laughs> you don't tell, tell the, don't, you don't, don't tell the other do person that. you're doing that. It's, <laughs> it's a totally for your own enjoyment and focus on listening. And I think you'll like it. So, so just to remind them last letter, first word. Okay. Their last letter, your first word. That is, uh, now I'm tempted to do that as we're talking, right? So you just said word. And I was like, oh, what well, can I start my closing sentence with a D? And I was like, no, now I'm getting too much in my head. So <laughs> you might want to tell somebody if it's a really like awkward conversation, <laughs> you might want to give them a heads up that you're practicing something. Well, thank you so much for our, the time you spent with me today. I have learned a little bit more even today with just recapping all of our wonderful learnings from a couple of weeks ago. I do want to highlight, you know, the the fact that you guys are called the agility group and you have the agility method. The goal here and for all of our listeners is to really be more agile, right? How to be better by being able to flex or whatever way you want to think of agility, but to move forward to have a growth mindset by using tools to flex your agility. And I, and I think that that is so powerful or can be so powerful if, if done well. So I want to thank you. I also want to reach out and say if there was any, any other like last thoughts that you wanted our listeners to have from you all. I, I, I just I, I wanted to tell you really quickly how the name for the agility group came. Oh, out. yeah. We developed this agility method when we were first starting out and we were online like this talking during COVID and uh, it was the beginning. And we were talking about the agility method in a group. And all of a sudden from downstairs, my wife yells up the agility group. <laughs> we're like, that's it. That was it. That That's wonderful. Uh, I mean, boy, I'm, I have to say, I'm secretly glad you didn't call yourselves the pivoting group because that word just, I'm like over it from COVID, but man, yeah. How much did we, I mean, how agile did we have to be to really keep going through COVID? I think that's, that's beautiful that that's how it was born. I love that your wife was part of it though. <laughs> I would, I would suggest people take an improv class. They're all over the country. They're, they're fun to do. Maybe think about some meditation and you can always go to the agilitygroup.net and we will come to your offices. There's people with big offices. We're doing them. We just did Lincoln Financial of all these high performing financial planners and they're bringing us into one of their offices just to focus on their team. So little That's ad there for, for our listener. Listener. I highly recommend. Us. Yeah. And I, I, I would echo that. It's a, be curious about improv. What, what is there for you? The read Tina Fey's book. Uh, mm. It's a beautiful book. It's really, it's an easy read and a fun read. It's Tina Fey for gosh sakes. And, and 
these skills are, I think, critical skills for your future and your career. And the pace of change is so fast now that how do we get in it and feel like we're part of it as opposed to struggling with that? One of our most powerful things we've heard was someone says, I work differently, but now I also listen to my wife and children differently. And that just gave us such a sense of joy that it changed his view on life. And that's what we're here to do. The joy that we watched. There there was a part in, in your session, there was just laughter and fun and people connecting. And we were standing at the front of the stage and we just looked at each other and we said, that's what this is all about. The joy that was in that room for that time really made it all worthwhile. So thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for joining. So for any of our listeners, as Richard said, you can go to theagilitygroup.net if you want to connect with them, learn more about what their team does. They're on LinkedIn, The Agility Group. They're on Instagram. So definitely connect with them if you um, we'll be on found Instagram them. Soon. Exciting. Oh, we'll soon. Soon. sorry. Soon, 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 I'm soon. so Instagram-centric. Apologies. Sorry, you're sorry. Yeah, soon. To, uh, we'll try to jump on that today. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> look at that. Look how, look how agile we are. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for the conversation today. And thank you for joining our top producers. I think all of us, uh, you know, for those of us that took it seriously and had uh, serious fun, I think we'll all be better professionals for it. So we really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today. For those of you that want to hear more podcast episodes like this, don't forget to like or subscribe. And until next time, we'll see you soon. Thanks, listeners.